welcome to episode 42 of the Amanda Wagner podcast. In this episode, we talk about why stories matter and why we love to soak them up. We discuss our own fears and what a fear of failure really looks like and means. And we offer some of our solutions to getting over our fear of failure and moving towards doing what we want. And in WWAWD, we answer a question from Marion about talking ourselves into things. I'm Amanda Wagner, a business strategist, coach, and professional speaker. And I'm Liz Pittman, a digital communications specialist. The Amanda Wagner podcast is the place for ambitious leaders and entrepreneurs who are done shopping for shortcuts, no longer waiting for an invitation to do what they want, and are ready to claim their spotlight. On this podcast, we talk about the challenges and triumphs of ambition and bravery, living thoughtfully and strategically in a noisy world, and share our experiences as entrepreneurs with big ambition. If you have paid any attention to the internet, media, or social channels in the last 10 years, you know that we love a story. People have built entire careers on telling their stories and others on helping others tell their story. Brand strategists and communications professionals are all focused on the story. What are the angles? What's interesting to the audience? Who's in the audience? How do we make sure that they love what we're saying and they learn from it? We eat it up. We love to hear the nitty gritty of triumphs and often the tragedies of the successes and failures. But when it comes to ourselves, we often play it safe. Or at the very least, we keep our failures quiet. It's a good for them for sharing, but not for me, thanks, mentality. I find that when we read these stories, we're inspired, we're excited, we're engaged, we learn from them, we take something away, and yet we shy away when there's an opportunity to share our story, at least publicly. When we're quiet about our failures, it's probably for one of a few reasons. I imagine, and this one's very true for me, we want to manage our reputation and we're afraid of what other people might think. We don't wanna lose credibility. So for example, if you have a failure, you might lose a client. You don't get the job you desperately wanted. You don't want this spread around because you don't wanna lose any credibility that you've built. Maybe it's because we're embarrassed. We want as few people to know about our failure as possible. LP, are there any other reasons that we might want to hide our failures? I think with some of the stories that we see on social media or with blogs, that if you do have a story, you might think it's not share worthy. That comparison trap, I think, maybe comes into play for some people is it's like not not as good of a story or there's less lessons to be learned, that sort of thing. Other than that, I think when people fail, they feel like a loser and who wants to spread that around, right? Who wants to broadcast that? Fair enough. I also think there's an element of time that comes in. So using my story of being laid off, when it first happened, I was uncomfortable with it. I didn't necessarily know how to talk about it. And now it becomes this story that I actually love to share. It's part of my identity. It's one of my favorite things to speak about. But I wasn't as comfortable sharing that quote unquote failure 
because I hadn't yet gotten over the hump or I didn't have the success that came after it. So I think there's an element of I'll share, but not when I'm in the thick of it. I'll share after I've overcome the failure. So I think there's also a timeline thing that comes in. The connection between this fear of talking about our failure and the actual fear of failure is that sometimes we're so afraid to fall flat on our faces that we don't even try. We don't even give ourselves the opportunity to have this story of failure because we don't even attempt the thing that we want. So whether we're afraid of criticism, our reputation being rejected, or simply just not getting what we want, we continue to sit in the safe zone. And I don't wanna live in the safe zone anymore. I wanna live in the splash zone, the place at the aquarium where you might get splashed by water from the dolphins, but you might also get up close and personal with sea life. There's the the risk reward piece that we get to play with here. When I find myself getting afraid of failure or holding back on what I want because I'm too chicken shit, I walk myself through a couple steps. Step number one, what's the absolute worst case scenario? And I don't mean just jumping to, oh, I'm going to die or a general worst case of somebody would laugh at me. I mean the worst case for this particular situation. Say, let's really go there. So for example, in applying to do TEDx talks, the worst case scenario is that somebody either says, no, we're not interested, or I don't get a response. Step two is to say, and then what would happen? Well, if I don't get a response, I would follow up. Okay, how bad would that be? Not that bad. If I continue to not get a response, how bad would that be? I'd probably still be okay. And once I go through this, and then what would happen? And then what would happen? I get to decide what wins, fear or doing what I want. The first time I used this technique was in high school and I talked through it with a teacher because I can vividly remember having a 67% in Chem 20. Just think about all the things I'm forgetting because I remember that fact from many years ago. But I wasn't sure if I should take Chem 30 or not. And I remember my teacher going, okay, what happens if you take Chem 30 and you fail? And I had to go through. So worst case scenario is that I fail this course and I have to upgrade. Okay, then what happens? Well, then I have to go and upgrade. I have to take an extra semester. Okay, then what? So I start university a semester later. Okay, then what happens? Then I get my teaching job after doing five years in university instead of four. Okay, then what happens? So I start teaching at 23 instead of 22. Is it really that bad? So by going through the, and then what would happen over and over again, it starts to take away the initial fear because you've already talked through the possibilities of what could happen. I am all about gathering proof and thinking about other things that you were afraid of and managed to do. For the record, I did not take chemistry 30 and it caused me a lot of anxiety because I thought I was going to be closing so many doors 
because I didn't take Chem 30. Turns out I hate chemistry and I'm not very good at it. And nobody has asked me to balance a chemical reaction equation since chemistry 20 and I'm okay. Regardless of the results, you make a decision to go forward. By going through this exercise, I get to make a choice. I'm all about living by choice instead of by chance. I'm going to do something because I want to, because I've made a decision, not by default. And those are the experiences that make up these stories that we all love to soak up and that some of us love to share, even if it's not immediately when it happens. When we talk about fear, especially in the context of business, a lot of the fears that come up for me and from the clients that I have are, what if somebody says I'm too expensive? What if somebody doesn't like my work? What if they don't get the results they want? What if they don't hire me again? What if they say something bad about me? What if I don't get the right client? Some of the fears that I'm working with right now, I am looking at getting on more stages and more podcasts and really building out my speaking presence. And one of my fears is, what if I get rejected? What if I reach out to be on this person's podcast and they say no? or they don't respond. And when I go through that, I go, okay, so I follow up again. There seems to be an unlimited number of conferences that you can speak at. So I'll apply for the next one. I find that many people say life is short to justify their decisions. And I understand the logic. So life is short, therefore do the thing. YOLO, you only live once. I don't know if people still say YOLO. I don't think they do. Liz is shaking her head. No, no, they don't say that. But this idea that life is short, therefore do the scary thing. Life is short, therefore take the risk. It's intended to be this empowering statement. But I really like to flip it and suggest that life is long. And that because life is long, this is an opportunity to do the things that you really care about and want to do. I don't want to try things or take risks because time is fleeting. I want to try things and take risks because I want to live my life believing that I have time to make different choices and take more risks and pick myself up off the ground after some of these failures and do more of the things that actually matter to me. Liz, I know you're a life is short person. How does life is long land on you? I, I, I really like the, where you're coming from with it. And I completely understand the kind of the explanation behind it. I think it's really nice. And I've just never thought of the opposite of life is short. To me, life is short feels like there's a sense of urgency and that I have to make this decision right now. Life is short. I have to do it or I'm going to die. Whereas to me, I love believing that there are chances to make up for some of the mistakes or the risks that I've taken that haven't paid off. I don't want to live as though each day is my last, because if I live as though each day is my last, I get so caught up in reputation management. What did I say? What did I do? What was that email that I sent? I don't want to be judged on my last 
activity. I want to know that I have time to do more. So I'm not here trying to change the world and suggest that life is short is bad advice. I don't think it is. I just don't think it's the only way to think about things. I also fiercely believe that there's power in saying things out loud and writing them down. And not so that somebody can just check up on you and your goal and have some finger waving accountability, but so that you can make it real for yourself by naming what you're afraid of and walking through the worst case scenario, it gets far less scary and it doesn't just exist in your mind. A few episodes ago, I talked about how not trusting myself slowed me down. I didn't trust myself and therefore I didn't reach out to the Birds Papaya podcast because I was so afraid that I wasn't doing it right. But when I sit back and go, what's the worst case scenario? Well, her team doesn't get back to me. Okay, I follow up. Then what's the worst case scenario? I can walk myself through all the potential options and none of them really feel that bad. And it becomes far less scary when I write down on a piece of paper, email Sarah, then by making it this big, scary thing that feels like something I can't accomplish. So by writing it down, it made it so much easier. It made me move faster. And it also made me realize that this person I wanted to ask is a human being. She's a human being with a lot happening in her life, but she's still a human being. And so I think when I bring it down to this level of we're all just humans, it makes things easier. I did not watch The Simpsons growing up, uh, but my husband did. And he often talks about a scene where Homer is going fishing or something. And I believe they're at a marriage retreat. And Marge is saying, why are you doing this? Like, why are you making such a big deal of going fishing while we're on our marriage retreat? And he says, I just want to impress the weirdos down at the bait shop. And so we use this in our house all the time is like, what are we really doing here? Every single thing we're doing, we're just trying to impress a bunch of weirdos down at the bait shop. And so maybe that's what I'm doing with the bird's papaya or with being boss or with TEDx, any of the stages I want to be on the podcasts I want to be on. I'm just trying to impress a bunch of weirdos down at the bait shop. We're all humans and it takes that level of fear down. We live in a world that values stories and we have to accept that our failures are part of our stories. And that's true while they are happening, not just years down the road. I don't have to wait until I quote unquote, make it to tell the story of how I lost my job. I used to think that sometimes when I let fear get the best of me, when I see an old coworker from that job, I think, oh, I hope they don't see me because I'm not successful enough yet. When really, I'm like, what's the worst case scenario? I see this person, we say hello, and that's it. We're all just humans playing in this space, and our stories are made up of our successes and our failures. Our stories are what make us memorable. They're what make us interesting. And above all, they make us human. If you have ever been around somebody who everything is just perfect and everything is puppies and rainbows and all they have to share are their successes, it's really hard to connect with them. It is hard to be empathetic when we're in a situation with somebody who 
life feels or seems or they talk about it as though it's perfect all the time. So I'm here to get some imperfection into this. By sharing our failures, we have an opportunity to ask for comfort and for empathy and understanding and prove that we're not defined by our failures. We don't have to wait for this invisible like statute of limitations to run out so that we can finally share that only five years after a failure are you allowed to talk about it. We're allowed to talk about it in the moment and please do. Liz, you are a storyteller by nature. You are a storyteller just in who you are, but also in your career. Tell me about your experience of telling the stories of yourself as well as other people and what you encourage them to do. The best stories have emotion, whether that's a positive emotion or more of a heartbreaking negative emotion. The good stories are the ones that pull on heartstrings in some way and force some sort of connection. And it doesn't have to be an epic novel. It can be a two-sentence Instagram caption or a short video that you send to your closest friends. It doesn't need to be something massive. I think there is power in a simple story as well, uh, as long as there's some sort of authentic human connection. And bringing things down to a really kind of personable entity. That's what makes that's what makes stories good. And I think some of the some of the best stories are done with a little less planning. There's less edit. Like a lot of people will put it all on paper and then edit the crap out of it, mm-hmm. and then you lose a lot of the emotion as well. So I think some of the best stories are unfiltered, unedited, and pushed out into the world. Liz, have you ever experienced having a client who's hesitant to share their story? And if so, how do you help them develop a comfort with sharing what they're really about, the good points, the bad points, the successes and failures? That's a really good question. I think I usually, because I have a background as an interviewer, I usually kind of start there. If if I'm working with someone, I know they have a story to tell and they have a little bit of wanting to do it, but they're not quite sold on it. Of course, I would never, you know, pressure them into doing anything they don't want to do, but I can kind of come at it from that interview perspective and start asking questions, start pulling threads, and then you identify where the good stuff is. And then you pull that thread a little bit more by talking it out with just me or with, you know, a colleague of theirs or with their partner or whatever, the more you talk about it, the more comfortable you maybe are. But if I approach it from that interview perspective, we can kind of hone in on what the special pieces are and work together to build that story together. I find the same thing when I'm working with clients in, in my Zoom room and claim your spotlight or with my business strategy clients, they lay it all out on the table. It's a confidential space. And my job, I say, I'm a professional dot connector. So I'm pulling all these different things together and going, oh, you said this and I really respond to it. If me, one person responds and I'm anything like your audience, maybe they'll respond to that too. Or something that said off the cuff can actually be really important. Either it's a word or a phrase or something that I'm like, let's dig a little bit deeper. There's something big in there. So I think for people to feel comfort in telling their stories, there's also an element of validation. 
I'm saying to people like, please share that. The number of people that came out of the woodwork when I shared my story about losing my job, which is on the podcast, the number of people who came out and said, I understand this. I felt this way too. Thank you for sharing. Or I had people who now, interestingly, when people lose their jobs, they come to me and I absolutely love it. I get the, I had somebody message me and say, I joined your club. I said, oh, what club? And they said, I got laid off. And I'm like, welcome. You are safe here. So by sharing that story, it actually is helping me build a community and saying, guess what? We're not a bunch of fuck ups or failures because we lost a job. The number of people who have been in this situation is actually really high. And let's talk about it instead of being ashamed of it. If you want to know more about the story of me being laid off, complete with emotions, tears, happy stories, check out episode 20 of the Amanda Wagner podcast, because I do go deep. And I will say that that was scary to share. And it helps me find my people. It helps me build my brand. It helps me build a community and an audience of people who give a shit about what I have to say. And again, as I'm getting on more and more stages, it's getting more and more important and more valuable for me to be talking about what actually happens and the tools and techniques and tips and worksheets that I use to pull myself out of my anxiety, to pull myself out of feeling like an imposter or a faker or that I'm not possibly good enough. By sharing these pieces, it's what makes people interesting. And I'm here saying, I want to be one of these interesting people. So watch me fail. I'm committing to telling you more about the ways that I have messed up or my failures, because I do want to be real. I do, I I know that the word authenticity and being real, these are overused words, but I don't want my Instagram to just be the highlight reel. So my commitment is that I am going to be a little bit more upfront of like, here's what I tried. It didn't work. I'll give you a really specific example. I thought, let's start the Amanda Wagner book club. I love to read. I love making book recommendations. And you know what? I did it for a month, read the book, had the questions, made the notes. I had two people, two wonderful human beings showed up and we had a great conversation, but I stepped back and get, oh, this was a ton of work. I'm not going to do it anymore. So maybe it looks like a failure, but what I really think it is, is it's an experiment. It's an opportunity for me to try and go, oh, it didn't go how I wanted it. Great. Let's do the next thing. I'm going to keep trying because I could have never done it. That book club could still be an idea in my mind, but I'm glad I tried it. And now I get to get creative and I get to reiterate and think about what I want to do instead. Knowing that our stories make us memorable and make us interesting, my hope is that this conversation is making you a little bit uncomfortable. I want it to provoke some of these fears in you, not because I want us to live in fear, because I want instead for you to go, what have I been holding back on doing because I'm afraid? And is that a good enough reason anymore? I would love for you to join us on Instagram at the Amanda Wagner and tell us what are you afraid of doing because you are afraid to fail.
We want to cheer you on, celebrate you, and help you try and maybe fail so that you can move on to the next thing. I have the luxury in my Zoom room of getting to hear people's big dreams and goals and things they want to accomplish. And I want us to get more comfortable talking about those things and also more comfortable with, I say I want something and maybe I change my mind and that's okay. I think another reason people are afraid to share what they want, not just because they're afraid of failure, but they're afraid of the finger wagging accountability going, you said you were going to run a book club and now you're not running a book club. Guess what? I changed my mind and that's allowed. In fact, it's encouraged. The only way we figure out what we want is by doing more things and trying more things. So again, please join us. I want to know what you're afraid of doing because you're afraid to fail. And I want to champion you. Today's WWAWD fits really nicely into this conversation about trying things and figuring out what it is that you want and, and discovering new things that work for you. Uh, our question today comes from Marion, who is an Instagram follower and says, you posted something on Instagram a little while ago, and it's been in the back of my mind ever since. It was a posted note love those post-it notes, about how we should consider talking ourselves into things instead of out of things. I think that sounds great, but I'm not sure how to do it. How do you talk yourself into things? Oh, this is so juicy. Marion, thank you for following along, engaging us on Instagram. I'm glad these post-it notes keep you thinking. That is the point. When we talk ourselves out of things, so let's say I have an opportunity or let's use the example right now I'm pitching myself to conferences and to event planners to do more speaking. I can easily say, well, I'm not that famous yet, so they don't want me. I'm too expensive. I shouldn't reach out to begin with. Or they're probably not going to pay attention to me. Or is it going to be weird that I'm reaching out? All these reasons I can use to talk myself out of them. I can basically create the column right beside it, which is instead of saying, oh, they might not respond. Well, talking myself into it says they might respond. I can say, oh, I'm too expensive. I just won't send the email. Or they could say yes and they could pay my full rate. Alternatively, they could say yes, and we can negotiate a rate. So talking yourself into something is more than just positive self-talk. It's about actually finding some proof that if I talk myself into this, if I tell myself, you know, instead of saying, oh, I don't have time, I'm going to go, I can make time. Because by talking yourself into something, you get a taste of the opportunities that open up. If I can talk myself into sending the scary email, if I can talk myself into remaking my signature program, I can start to look at the rewards, the opportunities, the chances that come out because of that. So I think the easiest way to start talking yourself into something is to first look at all the easy ways we would talk ourselves out of it. I don't have time. I don't have money. It's too scary. It's too expensive. People won't like me. And create the second column and find the opposite of those things. The more you practice talking yourself into something, the easier it's going to be. 
because you're going to have more proof that by talking yourself into something, it actually wasn't that scary. Not only are you going to have more proof, but you're going to get more results. We believe in don't ask, don't get. So by asking for more, the chances are that you're going to get more simply because you're asking and you have a sense of what you want. Please join us back on Instagram, either on that post to note or in our DMs. I want to hear how talking yourself into something is going. I would love to hear if this works for you. And of course, the results. What a wonderful perspective shift, AW. Thank you so much for sharing. And thanks for your question, Marion, and for following along. If you have a question, just like Marion, you can submit it on Instagram at the Amanda Wagner, or you can visit theamandawagner.com and submit your WWAWD via the contact form there. Once again, please join us on Instagram. We want to know, what are you afraid of doing? Because you are too afraid to fail. Let us cheer you on. Let us champion you. I am all about making people feel great about their decisions, reducing the fear, help validate that we need to hear what you have to say. We want to look at what you're doing and we want to celebrate your failures so we can get them out of the way and move towards more successes. If you want some fire like this for your audience, I am actively looking for opportunities to speak on your stages, corporate, post-secondary, entrepreneur events. Those are my jam. If you want your audience to leave, being able to name a speaker and how they change their perspective, I am the person for you. Please reach out at theamandawagner.com. And if you need a hand with your storytelling, reach out to me at Liz Pittman on Instagram or LizPittman.com. I am fired up to go make a list of all the things I'm afraid of and start doing them. Rejection is not a good enough reason to not do what I want to do anymore. So please join me, make the list of things that you are afraid of. I know what I'm doing this afternoon. We will be back in two weeks with a brand new episode of the Amanda Wagner podcast. Until then, we will see you on the internet. Do you want to make a list of all the things you're afraid of? I'm afraid to make the list. (laughs)